Hey, good evening, or not even good evening. <laughs> My bad, y'all. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. My name is the Urban Conservative, a.k.a. Chaz Neal. Um, and today with me, um, I have brought on wrongfully convicted uh, Robert Davis, who right now is incarcerated um, in Ohio. Um, and my co-host is, is joining, Jontel. I'm sure he's just going to be in the background. Um, but today we are bringing on Robert Davis again, who is uh, an inmate out of Ohio. And we are going to hear his story and hopefully help be able to help him uh, become free so that he is no, long, no longer a part of the wrongfully convicted. So uh, welcome, Robert. Uh, and uh, let's let's get right into it. Uh, you know, I know we've been this been trying to set up this interview for like two weeks, so I definitely really want to uh, get your story out here, and so that people are aware that uh, how this prison system and how this uh, judicial system treats innocent black black men. Uh, so I really. There's nobody that can honestly tell your story better than you. Um, so the floor is yours, my brother. Hey, how y'all doing? My name is Robert Davis. I'm um, I've been incarcerated for 11 and a half years for a murder that I did not commit or have anything to do with. As a it's a story of my friend, man. My friend passed away in 2012, and I was wrongfully, you know, pointed out as a person. So when the, when the situation happened, I like wanted to keep it at my house and everything. And I was with my friend. So me the proof like I had nothing to do with this case at all. So me the next Damn, I know where where he's at. He is having uh you know when you're behind when you're behind um Close, behind those walls, you know, it's hard for individuals. And I know he he has a link, so I'm hoping that he comes back. I'm going to start putting some of the transcript from his appeal, a part of his appeal process, and the, the comments uh, on Facebook. So I know that he's having issues, and I might just have he might just have to call me uh, to make this easier. Thanks, Chantel. Uh, so I'm going to put um, parts of in here in the chat uh, in the comments about Robert's he's, story. He's so here, if you want to yep. go ahead and speak, man. During the day, we was all outside, everybody walking up and kicking and so probably about a lot five or something. But we more down there's like 15 people in there. It's not normal routine. So after that, we left. Everybody, a lot of people left and then went up to my house. 
So up at my house, we gambling and smoking on the porch. So I end up going in the house for a second to go use the bathroom. Damn, it did it again. Damn, damn, damn. I'm just going to just I want everyone to understand that, you know, with this situation, we got to be understanding, but we're going to do what we can to get his point across and get um, some kind of awareness and some kind of justice and make sure that we can turn this case around. You know what I'm saying? Right. So at the at the at the least that we can do is spread awareness and try and um, get everyone to understand the situation as best as possible, whether, uh, you know, his uh, his signal is choppy or not. We're going to do our part to make sure y'all can understand. So um, if you want to go ahead and read this off and explain to, to the people um, the situation uh, until he can get back in. Yeah, I'm I'm. Uh... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him to call. He's got my number, so I'm gonna tell him to call me as soon as he's back on here. So that way they can we can really um get looks his, like he's back on, it's just lagging for him though. It's like see, and that's what that's what yeah. was when we were on video too, when we were chatting before this, it was doing that. So I definitely and I wanna I wanna make sure so I'm gonna have him when he Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can't even take his profile in this, man. And I know we're free, we're friends. This Facebook acting weird. Yeah, I can't even get him in there yet. So what I'm what I'm gathering is he was um convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Right. Right. And and that's what, you know, I don't how I read it was, you know, from the transcripts is that something went down, but that he wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Or Got you. That's how I read it. Doesn't mean that that's how it went. Um, but that's how I took it from reading the transcripts. And to me, his lawyer didn't do a very good job at defending him either. Because, I mean, just even reading off. Uh, hey, Robert. somebody got the is that there you go can can you hear us man hey hey robert if you can hear me brother call me just call my number that i just i know you got my number call me Hey, Robert. 
Hey Robert. Robert. Yo. And he, and he keeps on taking him off and on, and I don't think he knows. Yeah. Because I think if if I think if he calls you and you put it on speakerphone, speaker, it probably right, works better. Be way better. Yeah. And I got to get him to be able to understand that though. Right. Right. Uh, hold on. Let me see. got his number. But maybe I'll just call him. <laughs> that might be the best way to do it. I think he did send me his number. Yeah. I don't know. That's the wrong one. Robert, yo, bro, shot and killed. That was his statement. Then he said, I ran and I helped him get away. I was a getaway car driver. And that's what he testified. So they found me guilty of murder, aggravated robbery, not guilty of weapons or disability, not guilty of the gun spell, just murder, aggravated robbery. So I'm at my lawyer, like, how's possible? Like, I'm thinking all the elements. To the crime was add up to this. He like, no, they use a complete theory. I'm like, but they use a complete theory to convict me. So they sentenced me to 15 years to life on the murder by itself and um, merged the aggravated robbery for sentencing purposes only. So I ended up with 15 years to life. So as I'll go down. See, he keeps on going in and out. Damn. Oh. It wasn't even. I hope he can. Robert, if you can hear me, my brother, please, 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 please call me. Please call me, brother. Damn. Stuff like you telling people I'm not supposed to be in jail, but yeah, I'm still in jail. Like, I was up with this. Like, so he wrote me back. Like, he like, uh, yeah, you know, I have and everything. Like, I apologize. I got you in here doing time for something you had nothing to do with. And he got to talking about my other co-defendant. Like, so through the midst about yeah. three years, we we writing back and forth in the middle. Like, he just writing me telling me like that he want to like do the right thing and setting me free, but he just don't want no more time that he pretty much did everything he did. So he don't spend the rest of his life in jail. So I end up hiring my lawyer, Kimberly Correll, and I tell her everything a lot. I tell her about my case. I tell her about these letters you've been writing me and everything. So she take them letters and do what she do. And we hire a private investigator by the name of Tom Pavis. So when Tom Pavlis, we hired him, he'd go down to the prison and speak with my co-defendant about everything. And my co-defendant write the affidavit telling him, like, I lied on Robert Davis. Like, he had nothing to do with this case. Like, so he wrote the affidavit. My lawyer used the affidavit and everything.
and he can't hear me either. So when she fought, when she fought that, they granted, and she got a father motion uh, for the new child. They granted that, so they granted all the way into the evidential hearing, which was December 18, 2019. That was the first part of it, but. Due to the fact my co-defendant to testify to the affidavit that he wrote, they um they rescheduled like January, like January, like after time. So when January 8th, he coming there, first thing they said, like, there's an issue with time on the table. Can y'all up his charges and give me more time? So they're like, no, we cannot. So once that's settled, he testified. He tell them the truth this time. He tell them that. On the date of January 10, 2012, he asked me, did I want to do it? I said no. Him and my other co-defendant went down there and did it. And he robbed dude and the other one shot. He said that he took off running. He ran up the street. And that's how he got away. And they asked him, like, why did you lie and say Mr. David did? He like, because I thought he was telling. Like, like what? what you mean you thought he was telling? I thought he was telling, like, he is the reason that the police knew that I did it. Once I thought he didn't, like, I'm coming forward now and telling y'all the truth, but I also didn't want to spend the rest of my life in jail. So they asked him, was he pressure, was he cold or anything? He like, no. And he gave the exact description of what happened. So that was that court day. And then the pandemic hit, and once the pandemic hit, Boy, independent media, boy, we crazy. Robert, if you can hear me, brother, please call me. Please call me. Please yeah Robert oh can you hear me yeah hey can you call me because yeah, I hear you now yep you've literally been going out the whole time we've got people listening and they're asking questions but you're going in and out so can you call me? Because we're going to have to start this. I'm not going to restart the live, but I'm going to need you to restart the story. So call me. Up that okay, number. So how, why can I? I don't know why. Uh, I, think um, it's it, I think it's because of the data connection. Okay, okay. All right. So what you leave here and call you? Yep, yep. Just, just, get, just leave the studio and then, yep, just call me. Just click out of the studio and then call me that number. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we're here, man. And he's going to call me because this is uh, a story that needs to be told. We need to hear as many wrongfully convicted stories. Um, and hopefully that we can help free these people. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody 
who is innocent deserves to be uh, in that type of predicament. Nobody deserves to be behind bars. All right. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I hear you. All right. So I'm going to put you right by the speaker so that way you can hear me and the people will be able to hear you. Uh, okay. So let me know if everybody can hear. Let me let's see if we get some comments. Yeah, yeah everybody can hear. can hear. All right. So let's let's start over. Everybody, this is Robert Davis, who is a wrongfully convicted inmate out of, you know, I'm I call it enslaved. You know what I'm saying? So I want to definitely, if you can just, I know, and I'm sorry, you got to repeat this. Um, but if, and I'm sure, you know, you have plenty of times uh, during the course of your uh, wrongful, you know, behind bars. So uh, if we can just start over again, that would be great. Thank you. Okay. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Robert Davis. I'm from Akron, Ohio. I'm wrongfully incarcerated for a murder and blow my friend that I did not do or have anything to do with it. So I'm going to take you all through the story. So uh, I've been incarcerated for 11 and a half years since 2012, January. So it all started on January 10th, 2012. A normal day for me started off and ended in a terrible day. Changed my whole life. So January 10th, 2012, I'm out. Enjoying, having fun, kicking with my dudes, walking up and down the street in my neighborhood. And by around like five, something, I go up to my house. Everybody, we go up to my house. We get to drink and smoke. So while we drinking and smoking, we, while we drinking and smoke, we just kicking it a regular day. So you and one of my friends asked me that I want to commit a robbery. Like, do you, do you want to rob this person? I'm like, no, I'm cool. So he like, all right, he left it alone like that. There ain't nothing else to talk about. So about an hour go by, and I end up going in the house. For a second, I go in the house to use the bathroom. So when I go upstairs to use the bathroom, I hear gunshots. I'm like, so I run down the stairs. When I run down the stairs, my sister jump up. She jump up like, remember what's going on? I'm like, no, no. So when I walk outside, I see everybody going down, like, towards the street. Like, everybody, ooh, what happened down there? I'm looking. So I walk off my porch to the sidewalk, and I look down the street. I'm like, ooh. And some ladies walk by me. I go back in the house and grab my phone. And when I go in the house, grab my phone, I'm coming back out. My cousin pull up. She pull up. She get out. She's like, man, what's going on? I'm like, oh, what's going on down there? Like, boom. Walk to the sidewalk, looking down, and she was going on. I see a red car, like this cattle corner on the street, like like towards the curb, curb stopping. I'm like, oh, and I see a pull off, and I see the car pull off, and the car pull off. My cousin come out the house, so she like, remember what's going on? I'm like, no, no, I'm like, shit, where you about to go? She like, I gotta get ready to go to work. I'm like, she already dropped me off. She like, all right, boom. I jump in the car where her lady help us bag out. Long she drop me off, I go to the street, get out of the car, get out the car, go to my friend's house. So, the crime, it was a robbery that happened, then my friend got murdered, Philip Anderson. He got murdered. So, 
at first, everybody's in the streets that man, 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 So the next day, the police come to my house. They looking for me, but I wasn't there. So my granny happened in to pull up the street, and they told my granny, like, yeah, we looking for him and all like that. So that, I turned myself in. I turned myself in to go to the police station, like, turn myself in. I'm like, yeah, Robert Gage, y'all looking for me. I'm just here to prove I ain't had nothing to do with this murder and declare my name. Like, this is what I'm here to talk to y'all about. So they like, oh, all right, like, tell us about the murder. Like, tell us what happened. I'm like, I can't tell y'all what happened because I wasn't here. I ain't had no involvement in it. Like, I can't tell y'all what happened. Like, so they're like, well, for your name to be in it, you got to know son. I'm like, yeah, for my name to be in it, that's why I'm here. Like, to show y'all like I ain't had nothing to do with it. So they asked me what's going on. But the only thing I could give them was my whereabouts. So I stayed in interrogated for about like 30 minutes. And then I left. Uh, well, well, no need for me to be there. So when I left and everything, the word in the street, oh, man, man, telling, man, man, telling, because I was the first person to turn myself in. They went and got everybody else who they go interview, but they had a long list. So they ended up chasing over one female. This guy got my arrest warrant. They caught up with one female, Shantae Hill. They caught up with her. And at first, she told him, like, no, nah, I don't know nothing about it, and all like this. Then she ended up calling him back. Like, yeah, I do got something to tell them. Boom. So when she called him back, she went down there and gave up a statement, told him that she was right there when it happened. She seen me approach the car. Me and the other dude, the market, she seen us approach the car. And when I shot, she pulled off. She circled me in the photo array and all like that. So this is how I got my arrest warrant. So they come back looking for me. I turn myself in again. Like, shit, I ain't got no reason to hide. I ain't did nothing. Right. Well, I turn myself in again. So when I turn myself in again, they trying to get me out of I'm like, I ain't nothing to talk about. I ain't got nothing to talk to y'all about. I told y'all my whereabouts, what I did that day, like everything else, I don't know nothing about. So they booked me. So when they booked me, they got me and my other co-defendant, Demarcus. So we in the county for a couple of weeks, just waiting, listening to the gossip going around. So they end up catching my other co-defendant, Rasheem Carr. They end up catching him. When they catch him, they put him on the same block as Demarcus. Now they congregate him talking about the case and everything. So when the first statement Demarcus made, because at first he said he lawyer duck and say I want a lawyer. But his first statement he made is say that me and him did it, that as he was robbing um, Marcus Minner, I shot Philip Anderson. That was his statement. So when that statement came out, it caught, what's that word? It went with the statement that Shantae gave. Okay, right. So it went with that statement. So it's like, all right, now we got this solid evidence on it. But during the midst of the time while I'm in the county, Shantae ended up telling them like she was lying, but they really not trying to hear it. And then DeMarcus, his statements keep changing. Every time his statement changes. So he didn't fill up on a statement at, he didn't fill up on a statement that him and Rasheen did it. And that's the statement that he testified to at my trial. And that was the only evidence they had to convict me of anything. Like, they don't got nobody um, showing me doing nothing. They don't got nobody seeing me doing nothing. All they got is hearsay. 
And with the lady Felicia Lundy, she testified on my trial. She said, after I heard gunshots, I came outside immediately and I seen him right there come outside and stand right here on the sidewalk. And they said, well, how did you know his name? She said, I didn't know his name. But when I see him on the news, that's how I figured out his name. And she told him, like, the police also lied on me. They told me that I seen him coming from down there. I said, no, I seen him looking down. Then she said that I went back in the house, came out the house, and a white car had pulled up. A female got out, went in, me and her came outside, and I got in the passenger side, and she got in the driver's side, and she helped us bag out because the police was coming down the street as we were bagging out, which is true. Right. She seen us bagging out, and my cousin dropped me off at the corner, and I got out the car because my cousin had to go get ready for work. So, in my child, they found me guilty of murder and aggravated robbery, no guns, fetched. Found me not guilty of weapon or disability, but I also went to trial with my co-defendant, though. At this See, that's what's something that I, w- I want to get into because looking at your, your appeal transcripts, I see a couple of errors that uh, that you brought up and, and those errors I want to bring up because it's stuff that I feel like wasn't spotlighted uh, by your attorney. And and I want to show that that's one thing that's wrong with the system too, as well as that, you know, these lawyers don't always fight for us. And especially when it comes to our freedom, because it's, I want to know is, why wasn't it brought up? Like, did you ask to separate your trial from the other defendants? Yes, I asked my lawyer, Walter Madison, <clears throat> to separate my trial, but he said that he don't feel it's a point for a trial to be separated because there's no evidence used against me. Like, he like, there's no evidence against you. Like, so like, we could bring up the rays, but like, we're, what we're going to fight? Like, and I'm like, at the time, I didn't know that we could have separated the trial just off as being more evidence against my co-defendant. Good, and I right. That's, see, and that's what I wanted to bring up, too, because I felt like with everybody going to trial together, I kind of felt like that hurt you more. And you're not the first time that I've seen this with. And I find it hard and weird that it's always the ones that take the plea deals who did the shit and then... Yeah. So that they, I just never understood that because it's like when when is hearsay or somebody taking a deal and the benefit for themselves to do go up there and do whatever they want to tell, and then other people got to reap the the consequences of their actions. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think a lot of people fully understand either. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but there's because it's during this fight for you know this isn't i I also was a part of my umbrella up here in in minnesota um is that even with the supreme court innocence is not enough to overturn a conviction right and that's what people don't realize and it's like well then how are you supposed to get people free then if evidence if there there is no you know what i'm saying so it's like i I, yeah it, it hurts me to hear stories like yours because you're not the only one you know what i'm saying and i hope that people listening uh because we're not nowhere near done with yours uh but i just i really wanted to say that because i don't think people fully understand the 
the wrongs that are done in our judicial system. Uh, and it's so crazy because 95% of the stuff that was said in my trial would have never be ever got brunk up if it wasn't, if I had a trial by myself. Right. Like, like my other co-defendant, like, because like, it was an eyewitness in the backseat named Alex Wills. He was in the backseat when it happened. Yeah. If he would have never been in the backseat and gave up the statement that who the what real shooter was, I honestly believe I would have got convicted as the killer because of DeMarcus statement of what he of what he was saying that to at first. When the, when Alex Wells came forward, that's when a lot of things in the case shifted. They like, okay, now we got the eyewitness that was in the backseat. Right. Now, this is how crazy things is, because his testimony, he said he's in the backseat, but he had came down the street, and when he stopped in front of my house, there was a lot of people in front of my house, but he didn't see me. So he said he had went down the street, he, was, he went and got in the car with Philip because Phil was about to take him to go pick up his little brother. And in the midst of him about to pull off, that's when the robberies happened. And when he came forward and said that, but they also got him to say on the stand that and now his sister lived in Channelwood apartments okay. in the back. Everybody know him that know in your sister's house. He said he went to his sister's house after it happened and stayed there for the rest of the night. But they got him to tell this lie on the stand where he said he came out of his sister's apartment and seen me, DeMarcus, and Rasheen, all three in a blue Liberty Jeep riding up the main street with his story. Now, everybody knows if you step out of your, out of his sister's house, the only thing you're going to see is the apartment right in front of you. Right. Like, you're not going to see no Thornton Street. But that wasn't our main, fo- our main focus of concern because he was the eyewitness. But my lawyer's my lawyers had to defend me against my co-defendant's lawyer because everybody that testified in my case all knew me. Like, right. They all knew me, like, all of them. So my co-defendant's lawyer was making it seem like everybody on the stand was lying to protect me because they all my friends. So he was throwing me under the bus as in trying to cut off of the markets and Shantae's first statement saying I was the shooter. So he went on some mistake identity, like, no, y'all trying to railroad my client when it's really him. So in the courtroom, it went like, hold on, like, you go say this. Like, he'd say, Robert Davis, oh, Robert Davis, but well, ain't you Robert Davis' friend? So you do anything to protect Robert Davis, right? Didn't you say Robert Davis was the shooter? Like, so he playing prosecutor too and really helping the prosecution. Because the prosecutor just getting up like, okay, he's the main offender. He's the perpetrator, but he's the co-conspirator. That's how they kept doing me in the courtroom. Like, my co-defendant's defense was pretty much to prove that these statements was factual, the, the first one that they gave. Right. Not these new ones that came about. And so... Every witness, though, even I never seen him do anything. I didn't see him. I didn't see that. I heard this. I heard that. Every witness. My sister testified and told him, like, he was in the house. Like, she even told him, like, yeah, I heard them 
on the porch and do ask him did he want to do that and he like no she even told him that like so she's not lying right she's like my brother came in the house he went upstairs to use the bathroom and as he was using the bathroom gunshots went off and he came running down the stairs but they tried to use my sister against me too but the only thing they used my sister now that I see now the thing they used my sister for was pretty much like oh yeah plan was developed at his property, at his house. Right. Like, they don't even care if I was involved or nothing. They just want her to say that, oh, pretty much you heard this, so they could attack this way. And when they attack that way, that's how they, it was completely. Every witness on the stand had nothing to say about me. Either they said they lied on me or they knew me. They never seen me do nothing. Every witness. Then for them to take my co-defendant's word after he's on the stand line, he's on the stand line himself. Right. So let me ask you that, right? Because perjury is is enough to overturn a conviction. So they that that isn't something that even your affiliate lawyer has brought up of like them perjuring themselves on the stand. Me and my lawyer, we had talked about that, but I think the, the statute of limitations for perjury is like seven or eight years. Okay. And he wrote the affidavit after the statute of limitations. Mm, see, that's the but see, but that's the part that frustrates me because I feel like if certain because that's one of the first things that I noticed and reading your your affiliate transcripts was why wasn't that brought up that if they they literally went on the stand and lied under oath. That's enough to overturn a conviction. So it really made me wonder why that wasn't something that was that was spotlighted and, and, and brought up by your attorneys. See, I'm going to see in the beginning of my appeal, I had a, um, my mom had hired a lawyer named Jennifer Loach. Okay. So when, they, when she hired her, we thinking, you know, she good, everything. But the whole time, she got this bar from practicing law. <laughs> so my first appeal, my original appeal, a lot of things was getting denied for lack of details. Like she right. didn't go detailed description about now she made some good errors, but she didn't go into details. Right. So and then at all arguments, she she didn't even show up because she wasn't even supposed supposed to be doing my appeal. Cause she was this bored, but me and my mother, we didn't know that. Right. So if you look under my appeal, it'll say Jonathan Sin under my appeal. Yeah. I never spoke with him about nothing. Never hired him. Never my mom. Nothing. Never talked to him. She did my appeal under his name. So a lot of my first appeal, it was just getting denied back and back and back and back, and everything saying the same thing: lack of detail, lack of this, everything. Now my new lawyer, Kimberly Correll, like she's got a she's doing my appeal now because she I hired her to handle my case when I found out about her, how good she was, how dedicated she was to her job. Right. So once I talked to her and I broke everything down to her, you know, I felt she was the right lawyer for me. And since to this day, I'm staying strong behind Kimberly Correll. She had done everything she told me she was gonna do. Everything that she said she was gonna do about my case she done. Like, so 
she was surprised about this denial coming from the judge after especially waiting two years to deny me. Right. But, but it might be also something personally involved in that and personal feelings involved because my lawyer out of Cleveland, Ohio, she just beat a case in my judge's courtroom, in Allison McCarthy's courtroom. She just beat a case in her courtroom. And the way she beat it, like they haven't seen lawyers and actors really going this far up and beyond for their clients to prove their innocence. Right. So at the beginning of my trial, my lawyer told Walter Madison told the judge, like, I'm not ready to go to trial because my car got broken into all my notes, my laptop, everything I stole. McCarthy told him, like, well, I think she said an extension of a week or two, like, or it will be like, I think it was like 10 days. Like, well, it's 10 days before your trial start. You're a good lawyer. I'm pretty sure you'll be prepared by then. See, and that's that bullshit. Because that's not, that's not, honestly, that's not giving, if his laptop and all of his notes and all of that were stolen, like, that's not giving him a fair fight, a fair opportunity, especially when you, you're fighting for your life, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's another part of the the judicial system, too, I, I feel like, is when, you know, we don't, we can fight all we want. But it's like when the mouthpiece won't fight for you, what what are you supposed to do? You know, and that's why, like, I feel what the the public pretenders, and that's why I call them public pretenders, um, because they go up there and they pretend to fight for us, man, and and yet they want us to take plea bargains for what? When when half the time, a lot of people and and people don't want to hear this, but I'm gonna say it is that there's a lot of innocent people behind bars for the simple fact of they would rather take that two to three than that 10 to 15. For real. And people don't understand that. They did me so crazy, bro. They did me so crazy, right? Now, June 18, 2012. Yeah. Now, my lawyer already telling me, like, all right, they go, we're about to have a court date. They go push your own trial back. And this was going to happen. So I'm like, all right, so I'm preparing for it. I'm preparing for it. So June 18, 2012, they come get me. Boom. I go downtown, though. I go downtown to the big police station, big interrogation room. I'm like, what the heck? When I walk in, now at the time, I got two public defenders, Watson Madison and David Gordon. So when I walk in, what the hell they bring me on this for? So when I walk in, they take me to the big interview room. It's Watson Madison, David Labarty. Um, Cody Peacock, the um, head detective, and yeah, that's what it was. Cody Peacock, the head detective. So that's how they start the meeting. I'm like, what's this about? My lawyer, I'm like, what's this about? They're like, oh, no, they just want to talk. So we're here to talk. I'm like, okay, sit down. That's how they start the interview off. Huh. They push a statement over. DeMarcus Williams' first statement, they push a statement over. They're like, yeah, we got enough evidence to give you 25 lives right here, right now. So I'm reading a statement. I'm like, I'm like well, y'all just gonna be convicting an innocent man, but this wrong. Right. They're like, but if you testify against Rasheem Carr, we give you, no, they said if you testify against Rasheem Carr, we'll drop the murder on you and only um, charge you with aggravated robbery with the gun specification. 
your first offense as an adult, so you're going to get the minimum. Guarantee you'll be home in under five years. I said, what? I said, oh, no, I ain't doing that. I said, I ain't doing that. I ain't had nothing to do with this case. Like, they like, or you say you ain't had nothing to do with this case. Will you be willing to take a polygraph? I'm like, yeah, I'll take a polygraph. they like, or if you take a polygraph, if you pass or fail, you still must testify. I said, I'm not testifying to this because I had nothing to do with this. Like, I'm not testifying to nothing. They're like, well, we get no benefit out of you taking a polygraph. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, should I just pay for the polygraph myself? Like, again, they say you can pay for it all you want yourself. Like, the, the jury will never hear these results. I'm like, I'm looking at them crazy. Like, how is that possible? They like, a polygraph is inadmissible because they're not 99.9% effective. I said, wow. They're like, yeah, so we get no benefit out of you taking a polygraph. So the only way they was going to give me a deal with this case is if I testified against my other co-defendant. And once I told them I had nothing to do with it, they pretty much like, shit, say what your co-defendant is saying in this statement. And then they passed me this, they passed me the real statement that he's saying. Right. I'll read the statement. Now I'm saying, him and Rasheem did it. As he he was um, robbing him, he told him to just hold your gun, make sure nobody runs up. And Rasheen took upon himself to rob Philip Anderson and then he shot him. But they, he said he ran through the alley. Rasheen's mom's car, he said, Rasheen's mom's car parked in the alley. He ran through the alley and made it to the car, and I just pulled up. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Where is this getaway car even coming from? So they never. statement say everybody in front of my house on the porch. We've been on foot walking all day. Right. But they didn't put in the midst of a time that this boy, Rasheen, then went all the way from the southwest side to the east side and drove his mom's car back when he was just seen by somebody else in front of my house. Like it's not no ten, fifteen minute like. Like window that they talking about. They talk about windows like three, five minutes. I'm like, where is this getaway car even all this coming from? So I'm like, man, this ain't even right. Like, man, I had nothing to do with it. They like, well, tell us what happened. I'm like, I told y'all everything. I told y'all, man, this is what I did that day. Like, they like, what did you do in the midst of this crime? I was in the house in the midst of this crime. You was in the bathroom. That's what I was doing. Now you said that and are pretty much like, okay, you want to be quiet with the streets, you can go down with the streets in the energy. So I'm talking to my lawyer, I'm like, let me see that. Shit. They just try to be like, see that first thing they try to even know they come up with this one. So he's like, yeah, like, we just not want to this state. I'm like, wow. So I go back to the county. But they never came to me about no other type of plea deal, but they testified and lie on another man. For my own personal satisfaction, just so all we ain't gonna get this much time, but we gonna get his time. Just admit you had something to do with this crime, and say this to go along with your other code of statement, and we gonna do all the damage to your other code of So let me ask you a question: Did they ever do any fingerprinting in the in the Buick? Yeah, they. Uh, they no, they fingerprinted me once I got to the county. No, but I'm saying of like, did they take, did they do take any fingerprints from the select? Because they, 
they're claiming you were the getaway driver, right? Right. So did they take any fingerprints off of the, the steering wheel? See that, but th- see that's what I'm saying because I, as I'm reading your affiliate, you know your transcripts. I'm these are questions that even me and, and somebody that only let me say I have no legal, um, no background, I have no law degrees. I just I just see shit, you know what I'm saying, and I'm pointing out things. But it's like if there if there never was a car, and pe- and Williams and. Because uh, that's what I'm reading is that Williams testified that car parked his mom's car behind your house where you were staying. And then you were the getaway driver of like, where was, see, that's something else that your lawyer should have brought up as well is, okay, if he was the getaway driver, prove it. Where's their fingerprints? Is there, you know, because why did it was somebody it was his mama's car that they said that they was used in the crime, Right. So why why wasn't that brought up as evidence? And see, that's what it's yeah, that lawyer was not fighting for you at all. Man, listen, during the midst of the crime, they took finger I mean not fingerprint, tire marks like case and stuff. But in the back of my house is an alleyway. Cold yep. drive up and down this alley throughout the whole day. My neighbor, my neighbor owns trucks and everything, and they originally are Driveway is in the backyard. Okay. So we don't park back here. Yeah. But my neighbor, he goes in and out that driveway, out of his driveway, and he got big trucks and everything. So they take tire cases the night that it happened, though. Yeah. The night it happened, they take tire cases, right? So during trial, now y'all saying it was my co-defendant's mom car, but not once did y'all ever go to this lady's house to try to look at her car or anything. So during trial, my lawyer asked him, like, what do these, you know saying, I got these tire cases, like, what do these car, what do these cases belong to? So the detective, like, well, they was just in the back and everything, they came here looking like this. He's like, so, was there any other cars back there? Like, any other cars? And the detective, like, yeah, you know, the next door neighbor had cars and everything. He like, so whose tire tracks are these cases? The detective, like, we don't know. So my lawyer, like, pretty much, these could be the tire cases of my motorcycle, right? And the tester, like, yeah, you're right. It could be. He like, so these are nothing, right? Like, yeah, these are nothing. Like, they say all his, if you say this man's mother's car was used, and y'all got this statement already, why do y'all never go to this man's mom's house and look at her car and see if these tires and everything, they never did that. Right. But they ran with the theory. They ran with the theory to convict us, to convict him. So, right, and that's what's crazy because all they did is they really had the shooter, but see what the shooter did was he took others down with him and lied to take others down with him, and that's what's crazy to me. And it's not even that because it's what car and uh, well, shit, no, because it was only you, it was Williams, Carr, and Davis, so it's only the three of you guys, right? Right. Okay. He the one is he the one who got convicted as the shooter. He mm. never said nothing. He never said nothing, but he didn't have to say nothing when you and the workers on the same block in the county and y'all conversating about it. Right. Conversating about the whole case. And when the workers testified to he told the judge, like we conversated about the whole case. We came up with this plan to put everything on that man because 
we thought he was telling because he was the first one to turn himself in. Right. You turned yourself in because you were innocent. Yeah, I turned myself Right. In Thank you. And it's my old friend. Right. My friend, we lost him. Like, my whole family, in the midst of me being in prison, and half of my family that went against me behind this spot. And then, like, don't mess with me or nothing. Like, so, like, it's, like, it's deep. Right. And for me to stand and be like, you know, I still ain't had nothing to do. I can't tell y'all nothing to go to trial. It just got his family looking out me different. Like, damn, you done been at my house. You done drove my car. Uh, you involved in this. And you not saying nothing. You not saying nothing to prove that you ain't had nothing to do with this. You ain't really speaking about the you know can i ask you a question yeah. if you could go back in time would you have did it would you have told no because i can't lie I tell you the same story I told him right now. I can't lie. Right. I really ain't had nothing to do with this case. I'm gonna tell y'all exact same story. So the, you weren't anywhere. So it was you were you weren't anywhere near the robbery. You weren't anywhere near the shooting. So literally, what you went and told the police when you turned yourself in was that was the truth. There was no lying about it. You didn't change your story up to to satisfy others. You told a what was your truth. I tell them what was my truth, what I did, how I walked up and down the street, whose house I stopped at. I told them I was down there before it happened. I told them everything. Okay. I did. And that's why after that initial interview on the interrogation room, they had to let me go. Y'all can't book me. I didn't right. do nothing. I didn't do nothing. And I'm here. And they like, so they like, um, when I went there, they like, um, so what did you have on yesterday? I'm like, the same thing I got on right now. All black. I mean, right. all black. Jogging suit with some red and black jays. I got the same thing. They're like, Well, can we do a gunfire residue? Y'all can do whatever y'all want. Right? I'm right here right now. But they didn't do it. They never did a GSR? They never did it. Okay. They never did it. They never did it. Like, they never did it. They wanted me to, they wanted me to give them a story. I couldn't tell them. They wanted me to say I was there or I had some type of involvement in it. Right. I can't, I can't give them that because that's not the truth. That's not true. I'm not about to lie on nobody or nothing. Like, I can't do it. Like, I got 15 years of life. Right. Like, it's not nothing to be playing with. It's not nothing like, I just told them, like, it's my truth. And they know that's the truth. That's why every witness, every witness told y'all I had nothing to do with it. And it's so crazy because the main witness, Alex Wells, Y'all giving him money out of the victim awareness, helping him get to work and all kind of stuff. Like, hey, what is it victim of for him to be getting money? No, nah, that was that was money to cooperate to give us right. That's what that money was for. Because he said he seen nothing driving up the street in a blue Liberty truck, Liberty Jeep. Now, a blue Liberty Jeep is... Like, she's not my aunt, but she's like an aunt to me. She lives around the corner. I drive her car all the time. Like, y'all, what? The car that y'all describing, that's my car. thing is my car, y'all describing a tan car, a tan SUV. So, like, I just knew it was just so many lies and blood, and the whole thing was was a conviction. They want to the evidence. Because all evidence proved I'm innocent. Every witness. But I... I 
I just feel by like by looking at your your appeal transcripts is the only reason why you were convicted is because your trial was bunched in with everybody else and not separated like it should have been. And that's just, yeah, I, wow. And I want people to see how this is because this is Akron, Ohio, we're talking about. We're talking about Summit County. Is this Summit? Yes. Yeah, it is Akron, Summit. Ohio. Yep. Because I, I, I was just a, I, I was just out there last year for Jalen Walker. So um, uh-huh. I was, I do know how like Akron is. I, I'm actually dealing with another family, impacted family that her, her husband was killed by the Akron Police Department. Um, so it's really like, I want people to realize that police lie, first of all, uh, that they'll do anything to get a conviction, even if it's meaning throwing an innocent man under the bus, because that's what they literally did. He had, just because he was hanging out on a porch with people, that's not a crime (laughs) that I want to say it again. Hanging out on a porch is not a crime. And the fact that hearsay convicted you is one of the biggest problems in our system of when people can sit here and and be rewarded for lying and other people have to pay the consequences for that lie. Uh Uh-huh. So that reward, 10 years, he's home right now. Right. And you're an innocent man is behind bars. I want that to sink into people because... Robert is missing time with his family. He's missing valuable time just being on earth. And then instead, he's enslaved because of a system. Because of a system. A system for real. I, I, I feel like they gave me the time that he was going to do it. Like, you know, we're going to make it hard, make it even harder for you to get out. Right. Like, it's the only evidence against me. It's the only evidence y'all use against me for them to come forward. Y'all, now they saying that they got the right to decide the truth and the truth. Right. Oh, uh, no, he's telling the truth about this, but he lying about this part. See, and that's my thing of it is because of, you know, when they, there's so many, especially when it comes to, you know, co-defendants testifying, uh, you know, when they take deals is who do you, how can you really believe that person after they've taken a deal? Because what's included in that deal? You know what I'm saying? Like, have they switched up some shit? Like, obviously they did in your situation. And I don't even understand why they let, that should have been another thing brought up too is how is it that two co-defendants were in the same housing complex and yet the man is coming out saying that and it, and that's not that to me is judicial uh, error right there because I've never seen it in jails and I know Summit County is a pretty big jail that they couldn't separate everybody and usually in a high case like this they separate the co-defendants yeah man Summit County is true see they give you a deal they be like oh we going to be 10 years but we ain't gonna sentence you on in ten years until you testify, right? And if, we sit, if you don't testify to pretty much what we want you to say, and this trial don't go how we want it to go, we're not giving you that ten years. So it's like 
it's like a verbal deal under the table. Like, all right, we make a deal under the table. There's nothing in writing. It's just like, all right, we're going to let you, we're going to drop your charges to this for this deal. But we need this testimony. Like, if my co-defendant testimony would not have found me and my other, see, they didn't need his testimony for real for my other co-defendant because they had the eyewitness. Right. But if my co-defendant testimony would not have convicted me, he would not have got them 10 years. His charge would not have been dropped from aggravated murder to involuntary manslaughter. Or manslaughter. I think I manslaughter. His charges would not have been dropped. He would have got... They had to act like they never even talked to him. They give him that plea done. He went to trial for aggravated murder or murder and got and get a probably 43 to life my, like my other co-defendant got. Like, they, like, it's a reward with this. It's a reward that comes with this testimony. And I have read, I read a case in State versus Chapman out of Lorraine, Ohio. Yeah. And his cousin had told on him, but he lied on for the reward of the plea mm-hmm. deal. Like, if I lie and convict my own cousin that I'm only going to get this certain amount of time, and he ended up getting back in court off that. Because it's like, it's a reward behind this testimony. If I don't say that testimony y'all want me to say, I don't get the deal that y'all told me y'all was going to give me because right. y'all act like y'all never even said this. So they waited for my co-defendant to testify to and made sure the convictions was sealed. And then they sentenced him the same day that they sentenced us. <laughs> Ridiculous. That's crazy as hell. And, and, the, and the fact that that's legal. The it's fact legal. Right. That's that's what's crazy to me. That is beyond. And we need way more people spotlighting the judicial system, the court systems, because it's not fair. You know what I'm saying? And I can speak on this from experience of somebody that has been in prison. Um, You know what I'm saying? I literally can. It's you know, when you go up there, because I, I can tell you right now, even as somebody that fights the system, uh, when you look at the court system, everybody up there in that courtroom, the from the public defender, from the prosecutor to the judge, all have one thing in common. The person who signs their paychecks. So how is that public defender working for me when he's on the same team, even though they sit on opposite sides of the, the, the court of, in, the, in the room? They're still on the same team, right? And I don't. That's it's like how do you how do you combat that? How do you fight that? Because even when you experience private attorneys, they're not all good either. Because as you found out in your first, you know, private attorney is that we have to really do our research and you know and look into people sometimes because not everybody has our best intentions at heart like we do. So I want people to, you know, understand that as well. And um, we're going to end this today, but we're going to bring Robert on next week. And we want to get into more of this. And I want to get into more of, you know, of the story because it's, I really want to get into Jasmine is your cousin. No, Jasmine, that's my sister. Your sister. Okay. I'm sorry about that. That's your sister. See, that ain't even, it's so crazy. Come on. 
he never even subpoenaed my cousin Jazz Media, the driver of the white car. Right. To defend it. He never defend, he never did that. See, and I've been trying to reach out to your attorney. And so that's why I this 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 next part, because I've been I left another voicemail this morning. So I I really want to do a part two next week, Wednesday, same time. So that way I can talk to your attorney and, and even see what can we do going forward uh, to get you out. There's got to be some kind of, you know, pardon board and uh, 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 Ohio. There's got to be some kind of conviction re review unit. There's got to be something that we, the people, can help do uh, beyond just you coming on a podcast and, and hearing your people's story. I want to get people involved. Uh so I definitely, definitely, uh, please, if you're just jumping on, replay, um, because this is important. We have an innocent man that is sitting behind bars for no reason, for just sitting on a porch. And there was no physical evidence. There was no testimony that places him at the scene of the crime. Uh, so I really need people to hashtag Rob, free Robert Davis. And, and we need to free this brother. So please come back next Wednesday. We'll be here next Wednesday and we'll be bringing Robert back on. Um, and hopefully if I get in, we can get in contact with his lawyer. Um, I'm going to also ask the lawyer to be here too. So she, they can explain in detail the errors that have been done with Robert's case. So until next week, uh, please come back. Uh, please come back. Yes. So Next Wednesday, 1 o'clock, same time, same place, and we will be here. Robert, thank you very much. Don't get off because I still want oh, – I'm on here anyways. I got you on my phone, so don't worry about it. Uh, so, yes, y'all, you know, win or fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, wish us well. Y'all have a great one. Every day, fighting for my life. Every day, fighting for my life. Fighting for my life.